riders are all athletes, whether, you know, whether you're speaking to an amateur rider, whether you're speaking to, um, a, to a professional, we're all using our bodies. We're handling giant animals, both on and off the ground. And properly fueling yourself is super important to, um, you know, just making sure that you have enough energy to do all the groundwork that you need to do to make sure that you have the energy to ride effectively in the saddle and also to use that as a form of preventing injuries just to make sure that you're meeting all your macro and micronutrient needs. Welcome to Practical Horseman's podcast, a show featuring conversations with respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Jocelyn Pierce, and this week's episode is with Natalie Gabby, a registered dietitian nutritionist who specializes in sports nutrition for the equestrian athlete. I first spoke to Natalie when I was preparing to compete in the 2018 Mongol Derby a 600-mile horse race where riders can bring only 11 pounds a gear and therefore must rely on local herders for meals. I contacted Natalie for advice on how a mostly vegetarian should prepare to eat nothing but mutton and goat fat for the duration of the multi-day race, but also wanted some tips on how to use nutrition to optimize my performance in my training workouts. Natalie ended up creating an individualized nutrition plan for me based on my medical history and calorie and protein needs to help me reach peak athletic performance during training. She also gave me advice on how to approach eating and hydrating during the race. Natalie, who is based in Los Angeles, has her own practice, Gabby Nutrition. A lifelong rider, Natalie sees a need for a greater understanding of proper nutrition among equestrians. I learned so much from Natalie working with her and thought our Practical Horseman listeners could too. So when I was in LA in January, I knew I had to catch up with her. In this episode, Natalie explains how nutrition plays a role in a rider's performance, the importance of timing your meals with your rides, how riders can find the right nutrition plan for them, and more. But first, I want to thank this episode's sponsor, Straight Arrow Family of Brands, the makers of Mane and Tail, Cowboy Magic, and Exhibitors. With over 100 years of combined grooming excellence, Straight Arrow Brands are your go-to for getting your horses looking and feeling great. If you want your horse's coat to be clean, conditioned, and shiny, and his mane and tail to be healthy, flowing, and strong, then Straight Hour products are exactly what you need to keep them that way. Visit www.maneandtailequine.com, www.cowboymagic.com, www.exhibitorsequine.com, and www.straightarrowinc.com for more information. Now let's jump right into this episode as Natalie shares her riding experience and background. I grew up riding a little bit later than I think most people, um, you know, kind of get into the sport. Um, I began riding when I was 13 years old, um, and I've always loved the hunter jumper space um, and, you know, worked as a working student through high school. Um, Unfortunately, I wasn't able to really stick to it uh, when I went to undergrad just because of the, you know, work, school, um, riding balance was pretty difficult. When I went to Portland for my um, for grad school, I got back into riding, um, and that's where you know eventually I combined that with my profession and opened Gabby Equestrian. 
And can you talk a little bit about your career path and what you studied for both your undergrad and master's and just kind of how you came to, to launch your private practice? Yeah, so um, I received my undergrad in nutrition science. Um, I did that at University of Illinois at Chicago. From there, I went to Portland, Oregon, and I received a master's degree at Oregon Health and Science University. Um, that's also where I did my residency type program and rotated through a number of different um, areas of nutrition, everything from clinical to community to um, food service to really just get a broad understanding of the field. At that time, I was also living on a horse ranch with about 40 horses, cool. um, got back into, like I said, got back into riding that way um, and really wanted to do something where I combined my, my passion in the sport with my professional life and that's you know, really where Gavi Equestrian came, came about. And can you just talk a little bit about how nutrition plays a role in a rider's performance and why it's important? Absolutely. So riders are all athletes, whether, you know, whether you're speaking to an amateur rider, whether you're speaking to, um, a, to a professional, we're all using our bodies. We're handling giant animals, both on and off the ground. And properly fueling yourself is super important to, um, you know, just making sure that you have enough energy to do all the groundwork that you need to do to make sure that you have the energy to ride effectively in the saddle and also to use that as a form of preventing injuries just to make sure that you're meeting all your macro and micronutrient needs. And it seems like in other sports, like athlete nutrition is certainly at the forefront of performance and not so much in the equestrian world. Do you have any explanation as to why that is or thoughts on that? That's a good question. So I've noticed that quite a bit. Um, I think nutrition has taken a while to catch up um, just in general in the, in the sports world. It was only uh, not until pretty recently that dietitians began uh, being involved in sports teams even in the NFL and the NBA. And so I think, uh, you know, in our sport, we really prioritize our, our teammates, our equine partners. And we have a tendency to put our, our personal and our, you know, health, fitness, et cetera, related needs kind of on the back burner. Um, and I think nutrition is kind of part of that. I have seen, fortunately, a forward movement of including the rider in prioritizing themselves in addition to prioritizing um, the horse's needs. So I think it's just, we're just playing a little bit of catch up. Could you talk um, just a little bit about the importance of like timing of meals and things to eat before and after you ride? Yeah, so that's definitely very individualized. Um, it's going to depend on person to person. Um, when I, kind of the rule of thumb that I, I like to recommend is eating a full meal, a balanced meal. So that's going to include uh, carbohydrates, fruits and or vegetables and a protein about three to four hours before a meal. That gives your body enough time to really break the food down, digest it and be able to use that food for energy. Um, if you're planning on being in the saddle anywhere between 30 to 60 minutes before uh, a ride or before working out, a good rule of thumb is focusing more on an easily digested carbohydrate um, or fruit such as a banana. This is the time and place for, you know, white bread, for example, versus wheat bread. It just takes less time to break down. Um, and pairing that with a protein, something like a hard boiled egg, maybe a handful of nuts um, for some sustained energy. Of course, 
all writers are different. And so, you know, I take into account any medical conditions going on, um, any digestive issues that might be, you know, either prolonging the period of time in which they need to, you know, eat a certain meal or eat it closer to the ride and kind of playing around with that. And I've noticed, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like more and more scientific research is really showing the importance of nutrition for health, even over exercise, like things for weight loss or just, just in general and kind of showing more the links between like certain diseases and diet. Would you be able to speak on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely, um, so nutrition research is, there's a lot of it. Um, it's, uh, there is a lot of it, but it's still, um, you know, an area that is, is constantly growing and there's still a lot of unknowns in that area. There's definitely a huge link between nutrition and really every preventable disease out there and nutrition's role in not only preventing that disease, but also helping manage certain diseases. Um, I also do like to point out that it's, it can be separate from, from weight. And there have been studies that have shown that even making positive changes to diet and lifestyle, regardless of weight loss, has shown improvements of mar in markers such as you know, cardiovascular health and improvements in concentration and things like that. Could you maybe share some nutrition like basics and tips as an introduction for someone who wants to start eating healthier? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing you can do is um, realize that making a huge change that results in either really re overly restricting yourself or taking out your favorite foods isn't something that's going to be sustainable. And ultimately, we're, ultimately we're looking for you know sustainable changes in the in the long run, and that's what will really impact health and impact athletic performance. So one of the biggest things that you can do is find places to add things. So where can you add foods that, you know, are really full of nutrients, such as fruits and vegetables, whole grains, healthy fats, things like that. So even adding, starting by adding a, a vegetable a day to a meal that normally doesn't have a vegetable or adding a meal, a, a vegetable to a snack that wouldn't normally have a snack or a piece of fruit or something like that. Even taking a step back from that, if somebody isn't eating regular meals, just starting by making sure that people aren't skipping meals is a really good starting point. And you touched on this a little bit, or I guess you mentioned like what, what can you talk a little bit about what like a healthy fat is versus like a non-healthy fat? Yeah, so a healthy fat or a heart healthy fat is going to be one that is minimally processed that comes from plant-based sources. So uh, some examples of that would include olive oil, avocado oil, just the fats that are found in avocados, nuts, seeds, fatty fish like salmon, mackerel, herring. The quote-unquote unhealthy fats, they also have a place in our diet. I think healthy eating is flexible and should be inclusive of all, all foods. All foods can fit in a healthy diet, but it's just about you know, finding the balance and making sure that we include more of those heart-healthy plant-based fats on a more regular basis compared to some of the you know, saturated fats in, um, that we can enjoy you know, as a treat in moderation, but shouldn't necessarily rely on as a permanent staple in our diet. And then similarly, can you talk a little bit about complex versus simple carbs? Yes, so the biggest difference is really going to lie in their chemical structure. So simple carbs contain less sugar molecules, complex carbs contain more. Um, complex carbs, carbs will also contain 
additional nutrients such as protein, fiber, it may contain, or those foods may contain uh, other vitamins and minerals. So, you know, the best comparison would be thinking about brown rice versus white rice. The white rice is essentially brown rice, but just the brown rice stripped away of the protein, of the fiber, of the vitamins and minerals. And so your body may require more of it in order to feel as satisfied as you would feel by eating, you know, maybe a smaller portion of, of the brown rice. You're also not getting the fiber benefit. You're not getting the vitamins and minerals. That's all depleted. Things like dairy gets a little bit complicated, but dairy is considered to be a simple carb, um, even though it does come with additional um, health-promoting nutrients. No, this is a very broad question, but in the nutrition world, there are so many different fads with different diets and eating plans. Can you maybe talk about some of the fad diets out there now and the pros and cons? Yeah, so I think the biggest fad diet right now um, is the ketogenic diet. The ketogenic diet um, is essentially a really high-fat diet, low-carb diet. It was traditionally and continues to be used as an alternative therapy for managing childhood epilepsy. And recently it has undergone kind of a transformation in the, in the health world and aside from you know, the fad diet world in which its application is expanding to be used in other neurological conditions. Its current use as a fad diet, however, um, from what I've seen, you know, there's a lot of talk about its effects on things like weight loss and improving health and cognitive function and performance and all of these things. However, it's really restrictive. In the medical setting, it is done under medical supervision because it can come with a number of side effects just because of how many things are being removed from the diet. And research has also not found it to be useful in athletes. So I think the biggest pro I would say from this diet is that um, it does eliminate a lot of nutrients that contain a lot of added ingredients and really focuses on nutrients that, or foods that contain a lot of nutrients, a lot of health promoting nutrients. But that can of course be done with, you know, making other less severe changes to your diet. Any fad diet that you look at is really going to follow that same kind of pattern of removing and restricting the really highly processed foods and replacing them with foods that are essentially whole foods found, you know, as unprocessed as possible. And I'd say that's probably the biggest benefit to that. And then, I mean, you mentioned before that finding a nutrition plan is a very individualized process. Do you have any kind of general tips for ideas on how riders can weed out, you know, finding the right nutrition plan for them and what's going to work for them? So I think there, there's a lot of things that uh, need to be taken into consideration. And as a dietitian who helps writers create individualized nutrition plans, one of the biggest things that I find is, you know, finding a happy balance of what changes can you make that you think you'll be able to stick with? Can you stick with those changes? Do you see yourself sticking with those changes a year from now, five years from now? Um, is being as, you know, restrictive as you might want to be up front, something that can ultimately result in overeating those foods, leading to into, you know, the cycle of restriction, overeating guilt and back to restriction and winding you back up at square one. So I think I think the biggest thing to think about is what changes can I make 
that I can make long-term. And that's where, you know, instead of what foods can I take out, what foods can I add to my diet is a better kind of mindset to have. Um, also thinking about the, uh, the timing of your, of your meals, especially with your rides. And of course, that's going to look very different for an amateur who may just be going to the barn in the evening versus a professional rider who's riding up to, you know, 10, 15 horses a day and are, you know, in back-to-back rides. So it's definitely very, very individualized and changes from person to person. I was lucky enough to work one-on-one with you when um, you were helping me figure out my nutrition plan for the Mongol Derby. Yep. Can you just walk us through kind of the process of how you work with riders and kind of, you know, what the process is and how you devise a plan? Absolutely. So the first session is typically 60 minutes to 60 to 90 minutes. Um, as you probably recall, it's a lot of me asking questions about your uh, medical background, uh, medical history, your nutrition history, your riding history, your just overall, you know, day-to-day eating schedule. We look at what you're currently doing, and I have riders complete a food record, which gives me a really good foundation of what they're currently doing at that moment that we can use to build off of. From there, it's a lot of goal setting and figuring out, you know, what foods you may be uh maybe restricting because of a a religious or a moral background or reasonings um, and making sure that uh, we fill any nutritional gaps that would otherwise be there. And from there, it's a lot of, it's a lot of trial and error, figuring out what's working for you, what's not working for you, kind of going back, revisiting your initial goals, making sure that those are still the goals that you have, if not coming up with a new set of goals. And it's a very, you know, it definitely fluctuates and changes from day to day and week to week and that's just part of part of eating and part of part of life and we adjust the nutrition plan based on new goals you know new where you might be with your training whether you're competing whether you're just schooling what you're doing that day and i think a lot of people would agree that when you're at a horse show it's really hard to eat healthy do you have any tips on how to eat healthy at a show that might have limited options or tips for things you can pack and bring yourself that would be good yeah so horses are a great place to think of foods that are easily digested, especially if you deal with show nerves, you want to really reduce the impact that foods that are harder to digest would have on the stomach. So some good ideas would be like a banana and nut butter, um, or packing like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, eating half of it before maybe 30 to 60 minutes before a ride, eating the other half later, bringing snacks. Um, it's also not the time to necessarily um, experiment with different foods and to do that more when you're schooling and see what foods really work with you before you ride. What are the foods that maybe cause um, GI upset or what are the foods that give you energy and figuring those foods out and sticking with them while you're showing. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of staying hydrated and how much water you should be drinking, whether you know whether to be taking electrolytes or not? Absolutely. So hydration, I think, is a very a very important piece of our diet that tends to kind of be put on the back burner. We all understand and know the reason behind staying hydrated. We all know that we need to, but I think it's something that, at least from what I've seen, is easier said than done. So as far as the amount to drink, that definitely is going to be very different from for everybody based on 
you know, just their physical activity levels during the day based on their weight, based on age. As far as electrolytes, the best strategy for taking those is sticking to just plain water if you are physically active for an hour or less. If you are sweating or if you're in a hot environment, if you um, are physically active for an hour or more, that's a good time to add electrolytes from your water uh, to your water. And what about supplements? What should people do regarding that? You know, again, it's very general. But... Yes, very general. So even in my practice and working with in working with um, clients, I definitely try to promote food first, supplements if needed, and the supplements are good places to fill in the gaps. The supplements that I recommend most often are definitely fish oil for um, people who either don't like fish, don't eat fish, or for my vegan vegetarian clients, um, recommending a microalgae that provides um, similar benefits to the fish oil. Another supplement that I recommend quite often is vitamin D, but I only recommend that after having clients get their vitamin D levels checked because it can be toxic if taken in larger doses. And then multivitamins if, you know, depending on the, the overall quality of the diet. But again, I definitely try to really promote food first and supplements if we have to fill in any gaps. Well, thanks so much, Natalie, for chatting with me. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode, and thanks again to the sponsor of this episode, Straight Arrow. Upcoming episodes are with the legendary show jumper Eric Neve, top hunter jumper trainer Don Stewart, and hunter jumper rider Hannah Esop. And if you have time, please rate and review the show. I'm Jocelyn Pierce, and you've been listening to the Practical Horseman Podcast.